Good morning, afternoon, or evening. We are delighted you're tuning in from wherever you are in the world. If you have a cell phone or any other electronic device, please make sure it's on. Yes, on, charged, and the volume is up. Please also take this time to locate your nearest exit and bathroom. Feel free to pause us at any time. We aren't going anywhere. That being said, sit back and relax. Take a walk, go to the gym, or do whatever satisfies you. And open your ears and minds to listen to Dressing Room Talk. Hello and welcome to Dressing Room Talk. This is Act 1, Scene 5B, Part 2 of Episode 5 mini-series on relationships the professional relationship. And today we have a very fun special guest, Lindsay Schmeling. Yes, Lindsay! (laughs) Hello, hello, hello. (laughs) So Lindsay is one of my mentors. She was one of my bosses at Playhouse on the Square. She is one of the resident costume designers at Playhouse on the Square in Memphis. And she is one of our favorite people. She's so fun to talk to and we're really excited to have her on today. She's honestly like my mom intern, <laughs> like the intern mom at yeah. Playhouse on the Square. I also experienced Lindsay for 10 months and I adore her and miss her so much. And we're so happy that she's here. Oh, you guys are so sweet. <laughs> Aww, I, I'm happy to be here. I'm glad that you guys are still collaborating after your time at Playhouse. Yeah. Yes. We wanted to bring Lindsay on for the professional part of this relationship series because spending 10 months with her, and Grace almost spent 10 months with her, we noticed that Lindsay has an amazing professional slash personal relationship regarding theater and how to balance them and separate them. And we all need to be a little more like Lindsay. I say that a lot in my brain (laughs) when I'm, you know, in a rut or feeling a certain type of way and need to separate the professional versus personal. Yeah, I agree. Lindsay has always had such great advice in regards to work relationships And she's one of the few people that I've met that seems to have a life outside of theater. I'm not particularly good at that. Most of the people I know aren't particularly good at that. But Lindsay, like, still goes to concerts and still does all these things. And I'm like, this is cool. I should do that. And look, I personally don't think I have. Yeah, I don't I don't think I have a great work-life balance. Um, I am amazed that you guys think that. Um, but <laughs> I guess every little bit helps. Uh, so, yeah, I think sure. the people who have it don't actually understand and know that they have it. Because, like, we see it from the outside. But, of course, like, it's you and you're in it. So you don't really know. But yeah. you have to trust us. <laughs> yeah. You do, like, adult things, not just all at work like just social adult things that we never do because we're (laughs) always like worried about work yeah and she knows how to keep it professional Mm -hmm. and then keep it personal which I still have a hard time to this day yeah not taking things personally at work (laughs) because it's tough I know a lot of the interns in my class would go to her when something was happening and be like does this seem right and the intern before me that had the same same exact spot as I did, Waverly, I know her and Lindsay used to go through emails together because Lindsay's really good at typing out emails and making them sound professional. She's an amazing advice giver. You yes, guys. really. Super good. Just another reason to have her on. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Uh, Grace, do you want to talk about the book that you read for this episode? Yes. So I read a book. It's called Trust and Betrayal in the Workplace. It's by Dennis S. Rena and Michelle L. Rena. They both have PhDs and they do a bunch of workshops specifically on workplace relationships. 
it was really interesting because the book goes into great detail focusing on what true like trust is how it can be betrayed how you go about grieving being betrayed and rebuilding the trust and so although it is very much so about like a more general work environment i think this can apply to many relationships but in professional relationships you have to keep working together like that's the point especially in theater because everything's a group project it was a good one to read and there were some good quotes that i wanted to share And this quote pertains directly to how to deal with betrayal. And it says, Through our denial, we betray ourselves by being unconscious to our underlying needs, which is to understand and heal so that we may return to a state of wholeness. And that one I really liked because it's essentially telling you to know yourself, realize you've been betrayed, accept it and grieve it and move on. And I liked that because that's just something I think everybody needs to do in all relationships, but you don't really think about it that much in professional relationships. The next one (laughs) that pertains to after feeling betrayed, like after being betrayed by a coworker, this is a quote that says, The real betrayal occurs when decisions that affect people's lives are carried out without awareness and sensitivity to their impact. Mm. Also, just good general advice to know when you're making decisions. The other thing that this book very specifically goes into for like three chapters is about healing from betrayal and rebuilding relationships because it's important to have trust in the workplace. And I think Lindsay had something she wanted to say about theater relationships specifically. Yeah, so theater is such a weird um, community when it comes to relationships because we end up being in closer proximity than regular like office jobs and we're expected to touch each other and feel very comfortable being emotional around each other. So lines get very blurred in theater And it does become something that you have to work on is to figure out where your personal lines are. And Grace, I believe you talked about this a little bit in the last podcast to recognize your own boundaries and setting them and making them clear to everybody. Because in a theater world, as a costumer, I am uh, sometimes the first time I meet somebody, I am taking them into a room and saying, okay, I need you to undress. And that's me setting up that I am a trustworthy person to do that with. And they're going to need to set boundaries uh, for themselves and with me. Theater's just weird like that. Yeah, another one of the first times we tend to meet the actors is when we're taking measurements, which for some people can be a very sensitive process as well. So there has to be like encouragement and you have to watch your facial expression. And sometimes you have to put your arms around somebody that might be a little spilly because they just came from a dance class or something. So you got to be an adult, put your game face on, and do your job. Yeah, the amount of times an actor will come and tell me and say, I'm sorry that I'm sweaty. I'm over it at this point yeah. in my career. <laughs> I, I really, I honestly, I am not shocked that you are sweaty. You have been working. I understand that. 
I can wash my hands afterwards. <laughs> Would I love that if you had time, you could schedule your measurements after you've been able to take a shower? Absolutely. But I understand that if you're coming from a rehearsal, you're going to be sweaty. I'm not offended. But yes, I'm going to be touching you and hugging you. And usually if I'm taking measurements, it's something where I say, okay, I'm going to get a little personal and I'm going to be in your space. And I always say what I'm doing. But I will say I am never thinking wow, that's too small a measurement or that's too big a measurement. I am honestly just being like, this is a number. I need to write it down. That's all I'm thinking. I am not judging you in any way for your body. Oh, absolutely. No, thank you for clarifying that. Yeah. That's really nice to hear. Let's let's move on to what's healthy in a professional relationship. I think the biggest thing is communication. All relationships break down because of a lack of communication. And I think in the workplace, I know I'm guilty of this, of like something happened and then I feel super petty about it. And so I like steam in it for a while and then I'm like, okay, it's fine. But I don't communicate that I was like mad about it. But sometimes it's also just ignorance on the part of somebody that doesn't understand what my job is too. So it's just, I can get over it. I just like to steam a minute. <laughs> yeah, for me, I like over communicate to the people who don't need to hear it. <laughs> And then eventually communicate to the person who I need to communicate to. But mm -hmm. I need to vent it out first and figure out what I need and have to say, then approach the person mm -hmm. to discuss and confront. It's all mm -hmm. about, I mean, communication is confrontation as well, yeah. which is obviously hard, but is necessary, especially in our field, because we mm -hmm. are constantly near each other. And all the time. It's collaboration. You have to get through that, unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> even when you have moments of annoyance. Hey, Lindsay, <laughs> do you mind chiming in and saying your thoughts on what's healthy in a professional relationship as well? Absolutely. Communication is absolutely key. And I know that sometimes it feels like you don't want to necessarily offend somebody or if uh, I know there's a whole thing about, well, this could have been an email or oh, I'm getting too many emails. <laughs> um, communication is still good, uh, even if you feel like you're saying too much. It's better to say too much than to not say enough and for you to be uncomfortable or unprepared than it is for other people to have to take a moment just to think about an extra problem that maybe they hadn't thought about. Um, it's always helpful to have a collaborative opinion on things and yeah, a healthy relationship is definitely forged from trust. Uh, and sometimes it's something that can happen immediately in a theater relationship. I, I know that you two came into a space and after a week of working with each other, trusted each other implicitly, that you had an absolute understanding of each other. And that is great. Um, and ideally, that is something that you want from everybody. But of course, mm -hmm. that's not always going to be the case. Uh, yeah. So you as an individual need to know how you work for one thing, and knowing how you work and knowing how certain uh, quirks that you might have affect others um, is super important to really understand yourself so that when you go into a workspace, you know what you need to get done, um, and you also know how to communicate to others, um, which will then help you and them get the work done as well. Yeah, I, th I think Erin's <laughs> actually pretty good about that, because she's like, 
this is what I am. <laughs> I'm not offending you. I'm just kind of not nice sometimes. And I don't mean to be because she's I think that was one of the first things that she did when she walked into the shop. She's like, I'm this. Yeah, so much of this comes from knowing who you are and your needs and boundaries and mm-hmm. like entrusting yourself. Because how can you trust others in the workplace if you don't trust yourself? Mm-hmm. You know, it's I'm so happy that you touched on that, Lindsay, because I was going to bring that up as well. And making sure within the communication that you take a moment to reflect Mm -hmm. and understand your quirks, which might lead you to dramatize things. I've Mm -hmm. been in those circumstances, right, where I'm like, this is the worst thing ever, when it's not, you know, (laughs) and I need to take that moment to sit in that this is the worst thing ever feeling and say, okay, is this really something that I need to communicate or can we just move on, you know, but that comes with self-reflection, which is key in the workplace too, before you talk to anybody. Yeah, I think another thing is that if you need help with something, I think it's important to ask for help because if you don't, then it's not going to be the best work. And especially in theater, it's all about everybody working together. And so, for example, the properties intern, Eli, he used to come up to the costume shop and ask for help on ideas a lot, which was always so fun for us to do because properties kind of falls in a weird place in theater where some of it can also be taken over by the scenic design and some of it can be taken by costume. And so it's this weird kind of mix of La La Land that the properties people have to live in and try and figure out. And so he'd come up and he'd be like, I need to make a doll for this. (laughs) I've never made a doll before. Can you help? And we'd be like, yeah, of course. We'd love to help. I have more respect for people that are willing to ask for help when they don't know how to do something too. Understanding that other people have skills that you may not have and that most people are willing to share them with you, I think is an important thing to know in the workplace too. And if they're not and you're, you fear to ask the questions, then there is always some other people that are willing. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you're fearful of the person that you're trying to ask a question to, there are other people around who I'm mm-hmm. sure are willing. 99% of the time, somebody in that room is willing to help. They appreciate your humility and your sense of unknown mm-hmm. and you voicing the unknown. Yeah, and your willingness to learn too. Okay, let's move on to what is not healthy. (laughs) Some of the things that can be extremely toxic in workplace relationships. And I think one that always grinds my gears is when somebody doesn't believe I can do my job that I've been hired to do. (laughs) If I've given you an actual reason to believe that I haven't done my job, that's one thing. If we start off in a way where you automatically decide that I don't know what I'm doing, then this is not going to go well. Like you need to trust that the team was put together and they can do their job. I think also passive aggressiveness, Mm. which comes from not communicating, Mm -hmm. is grinds my gears and is so incredibly toxic. Mm -hmm. And I think that passive aggressiveness comes with ignorance and acting like I don't exist, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is also extremely unhealthy and not going to fix any problems. Mm -hmm. So please don't be passive aggressive. Lindsay, what about you? What do you think? as far as unhealthy things towards relationships go? Um, I think that taking anything uh, super personally um, is definitely not going to go well. And it's certainly something that there are going to be people that are going to be in their own headspace and brush you off at some point or say something that comes off as dismissive But it may just end up being something that they don't quite understand your process. 
Um, and that's, again, a communication thing where it's not necessarily coming from a place of disrespect. Uh, it's just some people aren't great at communicating why they're not understanding you. So it's a, it's a moment to take a moment to figure out if that's something that you can explain better to them in a, in a language that they maybe can understand. I also think if you can dish it out, you got to be able to take it. There's a lot of times where I feel that, um, as a costume person, I feel like we have a lot of sassy personalities. Um, <laughs> and there have been times when I'm very um, comfortable with people, I can be very sassy to them. And other times, yes. um, people may see me being sassy with someone that I'm very comfortable with in a fun, playful way, and they read that as me being very disrespectful and rude, and it is certainly not a place for that, and I try not to do that with people that I haven't earned that with. <laughs> um, I definitely try and build a relationship before I am playful with them. There has to be a relationship building before you can start breaking down those walls of professional versus friendship and friendliness know who you're talking to I would say I distinctly remember Aaron and I were yelling at each other which Aaron and I yelled at each other a lot and it sounded like we hated each other but it was very loving <laughs> and I remember Lindsay coming in and being like are you guys okay what's happening because it sounded like we were fighting but we weren't we were just lovingly yelling at each other it's almost like you have to kind of put on different hats of personalities of yourself around different people because you're not going to treat everybody in the workplace the same mm -hmm. and i think that's okay because everybody's different who you're working with so you're obviously going to be different around them i think it's safe to say like understand the trust and the dynamic between whomever you are with in the workplace and respect that. Yep. All right, let's share some examples of some good and bad workplace experiences. So I was in college and I was working on a new show. Um, it's called Bunkerville, the post-apocalyptic musical. It was in Newark. It was a lot. It was very fun. There was a lot happening in a small space. So we were in a black box theater that had about 100 seats. There were a lot of costume changes that were a couple seconds long, and there were a lot of different places that we had to create in this small space. So it was a challenge for the whole design team, but we were all so excited about it and so willing to just like jump in together and work together. And it was such a nice collaborative experience for me, and the director was super great. We had so much fun with him. His name is Matt Reeder. He's one of the professors at Ball State. I particularly remember working working with the lighting designer. His name was Austin, and he and I were working very closely together on color because there were very three distinct color changes depending on where you were in the world. So it started off very black and white, and then it went to this vivid, bright colors. And then there was this mishy-moshy mess kind of in the middle. And one of the things that Austin and I did is we had meetings together to specifically talk about color. So then when we went to show the director, we knew things were going to work together. And he was really excited. He wanted to use black light in the show. And that ended up working really well. It worked better with makeup than it necessarily did with costumes. But we were doing tests on that. So we knew what was going on. And so because it was such an 
collaborative and nice and open environment, it was such a great experience. And we got a really good product out of it. And so that's my good story. Now my bad story. Um, And this has happened to me a couple of times where I'm working with a director that doesn't communicate with me very much and I can send as many emails as I want and I'm never going to get a direct response back. I probably need to figure out a better way to handle that, but it's very frustrating when I'm trying to give them all the information and talk to them and make sure we're on the same page and they're not giving me anything back. And I'm sending an email and then I'm sending another email saying, hi, did you receive my email? I would really love to hear your thoughts on what I sent you earlier. Then they don't send me anything. They don't send me anything. So I'm assuming everything is fine because nobody's telling me otherwise. And then we get to tech week and they're like, this, this, and this needs to change. And I said, well, you've had this information for a while and it's going to be very difficult. I'm going to try my best to do what you want me to do, but it would have been nice if you'd told me this weeks ago when it would have been easy change to make. And that's one of the most frustrating things. I would really like communication. Uh, yeah, so my both of my stories are from college. A uh, bad experience I had was a director for a show called me in for multiple rehearsals, like three-hour period rehearsals, and didn't use me once. Uh, and, you know, I spent the time doing character work. I spent the time watching the rehearsals, the dance rehearsals, but The SM said I had to be there and I was never greeted hello or had to get checked in. No one like called my name off to see if I was there or anything. And that just like, that's wasting my time. I mean, what am I supposed to do? I could be at home doing character work and working on my stuff and not taking up space and distracting people with my presence being there. Not that I would be distracting in any way, but it just would have been nice to have my time used wisely. And I felt it was very demeaning to just kind of be used like that and trying to communicate to said director did not go well either they were like no like you basically have to be at every rehearsal even though you're like not really lead and I'm like okay this makes no sense so I just think we could have worked that out to make it easier and better but that's fine and a good experience was I did um spring awakening senior year I played Venla and there's um the really big scene at the end of act one uh where it's a lot of vulnerable touching and I had an amazing director who had to kind of take on the hat of the intimacy coach as well and she really set up the rehearsal periods and times for me and my co-lead uh she used our time very wisely and she set them she set up a very safe environment for us to explore what we needed to explore for said scene at the end of act one and with such a vulnerable scene and you know, all of the touching that is involved with that, it was so wonderful to feel like I was safe and I was able to get work done and not be so much in my head and worried about, oh, how is this looking? How do I look while I'm doing this? Oh, like, you know, she's a director, she's not an intimacy coach, but she put on the hat super well and I appreciated her using her other skills and taking on the other hat because she had to, but she made both of us feel extremely comfortable and that is like, key with scenes like that, especially in theater or film. Lindsay! Well, I will say uh, that uh, for professional relationships, I will not be naming any specific theaters or actors uh, Mm -hmm. because publicly shaming people not professional. Um, <laughs> Kathy, uh, Kathy, my coworker, and I have a saying that uh, it's we're salty because we care, 
Um, and it's something that we can get frustrated and we can vent that frustration out into the universe just to get it off of our chests. Um, but if you're not going to do anything about it, don't harbor that. So you're just going to say it and it helps you get it out there and it's not going to be a problem anymore. It's no good to just keep harping on it. So any bad experiences, keep it close to you. But I have had bad experiences. Uh, so the first time uh, was during when, it, when I was an intern. I was working on a show that had been really, really fun, and I loved the cast, and I was running wardrobe for it. And one of the actors who uh, was in housing uh, with all of the interns said, hey, just so you know, during tech week, I can be a handful. And I said, oh, sure, that's fine. We understand you're under a lot of stress. Not to worry. Um, little did I know, uh, it was five handfuls. Um, she was so much, and it was like she was just angry all through tech. Um, she would come off stage and just be furious about everything. She would be clawing at her costume. She would be throwing her shoes places. Um, and me and the other wardrobe person were always trying to be there with water and trying to cool her off and trying to make the quick changes go well. And her whole attitude was just anger and stress and didn't make anything go smoother. And her warning me that she was a lot didn't help the situation. Um, so that's, that is one of my nightmare situations um, as far as my relationship with actors go. My relationship with other production staff, um, I worked on a show where I maybe saw the set designer in person maybe twice in the whole entire process. And there was, it was a couch play. So the main set piece was a couch. Mm -hmm. um, and there was not a decision to be made on that couch until the middle of tech week when they finally got in a couch. And it was the same color as a dress that one of the characters who spent most of the play sitting on the couch was. And the thing about a uh, costume relationship versus scenic relationship is that it tends to be cheaper and easier to switch out a costume than it is to switch out a piece of furniture. Yeah. So in the middle of tech week, I had to find a different dress for my actor because the scenic designer hadn't made a decision on a couch earlier and hadn't seen any of my costumes at that point. So that oh was boy. very stressful. <laughs> yes, those are my two uh, horror stories, I suppose. Um, <laughs> but my, my, my favorite, favorite, favorite um, experience in theater was during my grad school. And I can say this because this is the positive. <laughs> uh, I went to Northern Illinois University. I was working on Rosencrantz and Guildenstern Are Dead, which is personally one of my favorite shows so I was already very excited to be working on it and I was working with a director Stanton Davis who I trusted a lot we had worked together before uh, he was very good at communicating uh, he came into that first meeting he said I've been listening to uh, this band called the Tiger Lilies and their whole aesthetic is kind of where I want the show to be so he gave us all recordings of the Tiger Lilies and I was working with uh, my favorite set designer to work with, Andrew Hildner. I love you, Andrew. Um, <laughs> and so, and he and I were actually living together at the time. So we would just be in our house in grad school, listening to the Tiger Lilies, uh, creating this world that our director 
had a very clear vision of um, and was very open to looking at all of our research and very helpful talking to us about what he was planning on doing with the actors, what the physicality was. Uh, we were always invited to uh, the table work that was happening, and I love being invited to listen to table work because, honestly, actors do bring a lot to my costumes. I want my costumes to help the actors be the best actor they can be. Uh, so listening to an actor's take on their character absolutely helps my process. So it was really wonderful that we also had a relationship early on with the actors. Um, and in the end, it was a really beautiful show that had a very clear vision. And I just loved working at that. So Rosencrantz and Guildenstern in Northern Illinois, always top of my list. That's so cool. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, that's so cool. Be right back with more after this. Let's move on to some strategies and types of communication. We're each going to kind of give a little brief blurb of types of communication that has worked for us in our careers. Lindsay, would you like to start? Yeah, I am all about question asking. It is it's certainly one of those things that directors will put something in the rehearsal report and say, uh, we need this for this person. And what I need to know is exactly why do you need it? What's it going to be doing? When are they going to be carrying it, using it, wearing it? The more information I can get, the better. So I'm going to be asking a million different questions about anything that you ask. Uh, and that includes if... Um, in a rehearsal process, in a tech process, if a director is saying, I don't like something, it is very helpful for me to then be like, why? What about <laughs> that don't you like? If you can give me more information about why you don't like it, I can do more to give you what you want. Just saying, I don't like it, doesn't help me. Uh, so <laughs> I'm going to ask a million questions. The more information, the better. That's my communication style is question, question, question. That's awesome. I love that. And I don't know if I do that as much as I should. I should probably check that. So something that I've learned that has worked really well, I learned it from Emily Boucher, my mentor from Ball State, is when I'm doing fittings, I take photos, sometimes from multiple angles depending on the costumes, and I make up a PowerPoint of fitting photos with some notes in it, and I send it to the director for them to review so they know what I'm looking at. Because they get the renderings, but sometimes things look a little different when they're on a body or we've made a couple of adjustments or suddenly the color doesn't look right on the actor because the actor hadn't been cast before we did the designs. And so I like to have them see it before Tech Week, even if it's just in a photo, and then I can get notes from them that way and then adjust and it usually makes tech week go smoother for me because I have some of their concerns before we even get there which is nice or I've already adjusted from those before we've gotten fully into tech week. For me I'm also a big question asker so I'm definitely the type of person who will reach out in person or email to the SM or the director or sound lighting costume or whoever after or before rehearsal depending on what they need because it's not about me it's about me working around them and to ask them to see if they have some time to chat 
I usually prepare very specific questions ahead of time so nobody's time is being wasted. And I'm very open to constructive criticism because as you question, this can come up. And that means you don't take it personally or get defensive. So even for like singing or specific scene questions, I'll ask them if I can, you know, spend some time with the music director to go over a specific song and sing it different ways or like a specific scene with the director like, hey, can you stay after and can we work this scene again? Or can you help me figure out like what my goal is in the scene or what I want? And I'm also a big note taker and I'm a big person for character work. I like to write a lot and journal. I'm a Meisner trained actor so I like to do like a lot of writing and repetitive work um and so even with an actor I'll be like hey I don't know if you've done repetition before but I'm a Meisner trained actor do you mind even if you don't know it's spending some time with me to sit here and repeat just so I can get a little more clarification in my brain in this character like how our relationship is and what I want from you and all of that goodness so yeah like the lady said questions email <laughs> ask the better in open communication, the better the whole collaboration process is. Let's talk about boundaries. My favorite word. <laughs> this keeps coming up a lot, especially with this relationship series. Hey, Lindsay, <laughs> can you give us some of your boundaries? Uh, sure. As I said, with uh, sometimes the first time I'm meeting somebody is when I'm telling them that they're going to go into this room and take off their clothes. And usually if that is the first time I'm meeting someone, I will step out of the room that first time, um, let them do their thing, get into the costume that I have laid out for them. And then after that situation, I can tend to read that person to see how comfortable they are with me being in a room if it's something of, okay, well, I'm going to go underneath your skirt very quickly and touch all up under here, pardon um, my hands. It's one of those things that I have to read people as part of the job is having to read people and know how comfortable they are. I will say that's one of those things where I absolutely want people to be in underwear I do pro absolutely want you to come into uh, a fitting with proper underwear um, so that when I am up under your skirt, I'm not getting too, too personal. <laughs> but uh, yes, yeah, so one, one of my boundaries is I do want you to wear underwear to your fitting. And for that, I will then always tell you when I am touching you. And if you do want me to step out of uh, a room, I, that's usually a moment of when I'm like, okay, now get into this costume. I can usually tell if there is a hesitation to move toward the costume that I then like, okay, I'm stepping out and letting you do that. And then it's a, okay, let me know if you need me to come and zip you up. If you need me to help you into anything, just let me know. Um, but there are also those people who I'm like, okay, let's change costumes. And they are immediately naked and going for it and then I can just stand there and look <laughs> in a corner so it's uh it's absolutely a read the room situation as far as boundaries are concerned in the fitting room yeah it's also something where um it's not just physical boundaries there's also a professional communication boundary in the fitting room as well because this again is the first time I'm seeing you in a costume I've designed and I may not like the look of it on you. <laughs> so when you get into it, and if you don't like the look of it on you, don't immediately think that I'm going to say, oh, it's wonderful, it's perfect. Give me a moment. Let me look at it. Let me figure out what's best. That is just one of those uh, professional courtesy things where give me the benefit of the doubt that I promise I'm going to try and make this costume work for both of us before you start criticizing my work. <laughs> Those are boundaries for me. 
Do you mind getting a little more personal about your personal boundaries when it comes to staff and just professional boundaries with you and maybe not so with the actors in the workplace? Oh, sure. Um, so yeah, so you, both of you as former interns that worked under me know that I don't go out and party with interns <laughs> on a regular basis. And that's, and that's one of those things that, um, sure, it might be a drink after work or, um, Grace and I, after, uh, the Ostranders, the Memphis Awards ceremony, uh, we did go out and get a little rambunctious. <laughs> on Beale Street. But in general, that is once again a, a situation where I don't like putting myself in a situation where I may be viewed as unprofessional or I'm not going to do anything in front of people who I need to be an authority figure to that is going to make them question my judgment. That is something that I, I want to be very aware of, that I do want to be a role model, um, that I do want to be serving an example as to uh, how uh, an authority figure needs to act toward people who, uh, there, there needs to be a certain level of trust going forward that I'm going to act professional toward you no matter what. And that's not saying that I can't go out and have a drink or two after on an opening night situation. It just means that I'm not going to get completely blasted with people who I then am in charge of. So uh, that is very important to me, that there there is a clear hierarchy, that I love you guys very, very much, but I'm not going to put myself in a situation where I am making bad decisions in front of you. <laughs> We're all working together and touching each other and being together for so many hours in an environment that lends itself to opening night parties and celebrating each other. You have to know who you're with and trust who you're with and know who you can't go and do things with. That is a level of professionalism that needs to happen. Yeah, and I think that internship at Playhouse is one of the places where a lot of people are just learning that because most of the interns are right out of college and they've been in this college world where they party with their whole cast all the time but like the professors are the professionals usually but the whole cast and sometimes even the director is a student and so everybody's partying together so it's just a very different environment when you move into the professional world from college i remember for one of the opening nights we had somebody was saying that i just opened a show i don't want to do this and we were all like, we all just opened a show. I don't know why you think you're special. Like, we all just did that. Like, <laughs> everybody just did the thing. You're not, you may be on the stage, but everybody that is here tonight that works at Playhouse all just did this thing. And we were all just staying up really late and doing the thing, you know? So I think it's also about respecting that this is everybody's baby. It's not just yours too, you know? Yeah, that is absolutely one of those things that I've seen. There's definitely a difference between interns who can come out on an opening night. They have a few drinks at the opening night party, which is at their work, and it's perfectly fine. They're acting professional. You have to know your limit because I've absolutely seen interns who do drink too much on that opening night. Mm -hmm. And then it's immediately a, wow, I can't trust you to act professional <laughs> in a professional setting. Um, you clearly don't know your own limits and I'm not going to be able to trust you as much. I'm not going to ask you to do as many things. I need you to be 
a professional. We have donors at these parties. Uh, we have board members. And it's one thing to have one or two drinks uh, to celebrate, but it's another to have to be carried out the door um, in front of donors and board members and an audience who just watched you do things. Yeah. Uh, there is a huge difference. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I can say even uh, when I was in grad school, I was teaching uh, undergrad students. And there were a few times where I ended up at parties with uh, my undergrad students. And that was always a very weird situation. Mm-hmm. Um, because as a grad student, I was still going out to parties. But uh, I made a deal with all of the theater students that I was like, look, I am going to be in class tomorrow teaching you. Uh, I am going to still give you my full attention. <laughs> um, I am still going to give you the lesson that is planned. I want you to also to be there and be present. That's the deal. Here we are <laughs> both at the same party and I need you to have just as much respect that I'm going to control myself enough that I'm still going to be able to teach your class tomorrow. I need you to also give me, show me that same respect and not skip class because you have a hangover. Know your limits, show up, do the work. Yes. Lindsay, I have another question. <laughs> if you don't mind, may I ask your boundaries with colleagues because I think that this would be awesome advice for Grace and I and our colleagues like our equals I guess I hate to say equals I don't want that to sound weird and bad but like if I'm chatting with another actor the boundaries that are there can you kind of touch on how you handle those boundaries with colleagues and like if there's been a circumstance where you're like you cannot talk to me this way I'm your equal (laughs) That is always a little bit rougher because they're trying to figure out the proper like hierarchy in theater does get blurry again. Uh, But trying to figure out exactly where you are in a totem pole of a conversation is important. And again, that's where Kathy and I saying of we're salty because we care comes in. Because sometimes we have had a colleague that possibly isn't holding up their end of a bargain on something, but it's not our place to chastise that person. It's not our place to point out their wrongdoings to anybody. They need to get their own act together and they need to be in charge of their own thing. I, as a costume person, am not going to go into the marketing office and be like, you're not marketing correctly. You should (laughs) do it this way. Preferably, I'm not also being told by marketing how I should costume things. This has not happened, by the way. This is just hypothetical. In general, you need to remember to stay in your lane. Mm -hmm. And you don't give notes to people unless they're asking for advice. Mm -hmm. Um, Or if you can do it in a way that is actually very helpful and constructive and not making more work for them that they weren't asking for. That's, that's always a big one, is that you don't necessarily know uh, what else is on their schedule. So don't be suggesting things because you think it would be an easy fix if it's going to have to make them adjust other things that they were planning on doing. You don't necessarily know what their process is. But if they are, if it is something like uh, just like in the costume shop, another person in the costume shop, that is honestly, you really do try and have a collaborative attitude. And you do try and listen and take constructive criticism. And that, again, is trying to figure out how to give constructive criticism and not be a bully about it and not be a know-it-all about it. 
Um, and that's watching your tone. You have to figure out your tone. And if someone is talking down to you and being a bully about it, uh, it's, it is up to you to figure out a way to let them know that you hear them, but there needs to be a better way that they need to communicate to you. So many yeah. gems in all of that. Thank you <laughs> for being vulnerable. No, it's it's really important information to hear, especially for Grace and I as actor and costume designer. We, I mean, I experience this all the time where my boundaries are crossed with other actors where they try to direct me. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure it's the same thing with Grace. I know what I'm doing. I've been trained, right? You don't have to tell me how to approach this scene. I know exactly what I'm doing. Yeah, but it is different when somebody's coming up and being like, why are you doing this? And I'm like, Oh, well, I w- this is what I was thinking. And then they're like, well, did you maybe consider this? And I'm like, no, I hadn't. That's interesting. Like, that's See, different. totally different approach. Yeah, yeah, it's a tone thing, exactly like she yeah. said. I usually start with questions. And it's usually just curiosity that will then turn into like some kind of collaborative conversation because I'm curious about something or I want to know where they're at in the design process. Or I'm like, how are you doing this? I don't understand. Explain, teach, learn. I want to learn, please. It's kind of like walking on eggshells with confidence, right? (laughs) Like walk softly, like tread carefully as you're approaching said person about whatever you're going to talk about, right? But then come forward with confidence as well. Like, oh, I like, I don't really understand what this is coming into. Do you mind explaining? Like, it's a tone thing. It's a curiosity thing. You don't always have to be extremely curious. You know, there can be a surface level conversation. It doesn't have to be beautifully laid out. There's that level of respect. You don't know what they do. You don't understand mm-hmm. fully and vice versa. Mm-hmm. So respect that and ask the questions and be kind. Yeah. And you'll get through it. Take responsibility for your work. Yep. Even if it's bad. And your words. And your words. Yep. <laughs> All right. Lindsay, oh, yes. please explain how you do how you professional do the thing. <laughs> home life balance. We're not there yet. We're trying, but we're just like hobbies, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> Should we do those more? <laughs> Should we try those more? <laughs> please explain to us how you, you seem to have a, like, I mean, I think you have a nice I life. I think she totally does. Yeah, yes. I love, <laughs> like, I love your house. You and your fiance are amazing. Her little family. We yes. love it. So do explain. <laughs> Uh, I mean, once again, I I question <laughs> I question if I do have the right work life balance. Uh, but again, that's theater. Uh, one of my mentors, the great uh, Ron Anderson, said, "If you want holidays and weekends, go work in a bank." As part of the entertainment industry, you are working when most people are having leisure time because you are their leisure time. Mm-hmm. But so for me, uh, it's definitely about planning ahead. You absolutely have to have things planned months in advance. I personally am a member of a lot of local museums. That's one of the things that I I try to do. Um, I have my museum card to the Metal Museum, to the Botanical Garden, and I try and follow whatever classes and events they're doing uh, so that when something comes up, when they announce something, I can look in my calendar immediately and say, okay, uh, that works. It is not a tech week or the week before tech week. Uh, I might be able to do that. (laughs) Uh, And then when that is the case, it's something that I know if I'm going to be taking time that I would usually be at work. I know that there are going to be days before that, maybe weeks before that, uh, where I'm going to have to put in the extra hours to get things done in time and before so that I can take that time off. It's 
knowing how long things are going to take you, um, knowing what works needs to get done, um, communicating with the people uh, that you are going to be working with. If they're going to be helping you take up the slack, they need to know uh, that you're going to be gone and you need to be able to have clear communication with what they can do without you and uh, let them know that, I mean, I am definitely always on call. Um, I would, I don't think I would ever feel comfortable going off and just never checking my email and switching off my phone because uh, <laughs> I always feel like something's going to go wrong. I actually, I just got a text message from uh, one of the interns saying that their uh, stove doesn't light. And that's one of those things that, you know, I'm, uh, I've picked up a lot of helping out at the intern house and trying to make the intern house uh, a fun, happy, livable place. She's amazing oh, at it. She does so me. well. Yeah, it's so nice. <laughs> it's so nice to have you as that person. Mm-hmm. We are not worthy. Yeah, because yeah, this is me technically not on work hours, but I right. am available by text message to mm-hmm. try and help figure out, well, do you know what a pilot light is? Type of things like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it is. It is um, definitely just trying to know what you can do and what you can't. And I know that if there's something that's happening during tech week, I'm going to have to miss it. Mm -hmm. I understand that. And sometimes it's one of those things where, okay, next year I am planning a vacation or I'm planning (laughs) to do this with friends. I have to look at the season calendar and say, okay, I don't think I can design this show if I want to do that. So it's then a question of, can I switch with another designer. Can I get another designer to do this show and I can move to another show in order to do that? Um, And that's one of the things of, sometimes you just gotta ask for help and you gotta ask for that extra time and know that it's always going to be better for you to take that time and refresh yourself than it would be to just work, work, work and end up resenting the work. Once you start resenting the work, there's no point in doing the work anymore. Exactly. Burnout. We yep. talk about burnout a yes, lot. Yes, we do. Lindsay, do you have any like self-care routines or any hobbies that you would like to share that you do that are not theater related that help this work-life balance thing as well? Any day off, I sleep in very, very, very late. That's, uh, but I also, I mean, I just got a backyard swing. Um, so now with this lovely fall weather, I can go and sit uh, in my backyard on the swing and do some reading. Oh, I love that. Just listen to some music or just play some game apps on my phone. And it's just kind of zoning out and enjoying the outdoors for a little bit. Um, Mm. I know that Grace knows that it's very important to get sun. She has her little lamp. Lindsay did so, not yeah, like the happy to... lamp. She like shrunk away from that is it. That's not she... true. Your your happy lamp was very bright. Uh, <laughs> I am definitely more of a night person, a night evening person. person. But uh, no, in the in the fall when it's all nice and orange and all kind of sunsetty, uh, that's the best. But I understand the need for sunlight. That's why one of the best things. A lot of times, costume shops are in basements, and it's sad. Uh, it's which sad. one of the best things about the Playhouse costume shop is that it has windows. I it love does. having windows in my shop. It's amazing. Uh, so, seeing the outside is always important. But I also, again, I I am all about museums. I am all about going and seeing other art. It's outside of theater, but it then still enriches my theater life because I then see things that inspire me for later designs. And I have a collection of artwork that has 
great color that I use as um, color palettes for shows, historical portraits. Uh, I just love to pull that from inspiration when I'm doing period shows. So I'm all about the museum life whenever I can get to a museum and just go and stare at art. I love that. Yeah, you always did seem to have some kind of photo to pull up whenever we were talking concept of something. And you would be like, like this? And we'd be like, exactly like that, actually. No, that's what an awesome hobby that kind of relates to the field, but doesn't. Yeah. But brings her joy in a different way. So they connect. Mm -hmm. It's kind of... Kind of nice. Yeah, we should try that. <laughs> yeah, Lindsay, can you just end with like what you've been doing during this time? Can you kind of explain what's going on at Playhouse on the Square and like how you're coping with COVID? Do you mind sharing? Uh, I don't. Actually, um, I uh, want to commend Playhouse for how they have been handling COVID. Um, we are uh, one of the few theaters in the country right now that have not furloughed any of our workers our staff is fully employed still and our director has said that he will not furlough staff if it gets to that point he will sell a building before anybody is let go wow yeah we're uh, we were we were very touched when we were told that um and so we are we are very committed to playhouse currently um and it's i mean it's been tough i have started designing I think three or four shows now that have been canceled or put on hold so it's been very rough that I'll I'll do the research and I get my piece lists happening and then I get the notification that nope we still gotta put it on hold and I'm currently working on our next show that we've just cast and we're going to try and do a live recording type situation. Um, and we've still got our fingers crossed and we're going to do a mostly virtual rehearsal process. <laughs> we're still figuring that all out because that's, that's not our business. Our business is not movie making. Live theater is live theater for a reason. So we're trying to work through it. But other than that, it's given us time to clean and organize the shop, which we never seem to have time to do. And right now, our education department is actually doing so much of the work. Um, They're doing a lot of virtual classes, and they're doing socially distanced classes. Um, And we're trying to help out in any way we can with that. And, you know, we're just trying to plan as far ahead as possible. It's nice to know that I have job security, and I uh, it hurts my heart to think of all of the theaters that are laying people off. I, I do I do feel lucky that I know that theater people are one of the most resourceful people out there, yes. um, and we definitely have skills that can we can put to use in other industries. But I know that we choose theater. Uh, because it's our passion and it's a little bit of our soul. And I know that not being able to produce theater and be in theater is still just a little bit heartbreaking and a little bit soul-sucking. Oh, it hurts. But we will survive. (laughs) We always do, yeah. We're very tough people. Mm -hmm. We we expect moments like this. We expect moments of the uncertainty and the heartbreak. But we, we always come back. Strong Uh, as heck. Yeah. (laughs) Theater existed uh, in the Black Plague, Dark Ages. We were there, so we will continue to be there. (laughs) And we'll be telling the story of the pandemic. Yes, we will. Lindsay, is there anything else that you would like to add or 
any playlists you're listening to or books that you've read or documentaries about relationships or not relationships that you'd like to share with the audience? Any like TV series during this time you're like, everybody go watch this. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Toast of London on Netflix. It is super, super weird and it's British humor. So I don't, I don't know if you like British humor, uh, but it's like extreme weird British humor. I am all about Toast of London on Netflix. That is my choice. We'll have to check that out. Wow. Lindsay, thank you so much for your time. Yes, thank you so much. And for all of our listeners, please follow us, ask us questions. You can find us on Instagram at at Dressing Room Talk Pod, at Facebook, and our name is Dressing Room Talk Podcast. And please email <laughs> us at askmg at puddledropmedia.com. We would be so happy to share your stories, answer your questions. So please reach out to us. We'll be very excited to hear from you. Okay, we have two shout-outs today. Huge shout-out to Newfield High School. Thank you so much for your patience and your time today. We presented for them all about the podcast today, and we got amazing questions and feedback and new followers, and it's so exciting. So please continue to tell your friends about us. We have so much planned for this season and so many more special guests coming soon. And, of course, always... An enormous thank you to Jim Lasher at Puddle Drop Media, our amazing production team, and of course, our amazing sponsors, my parents. Thank you for sponsoring us. And of course, Grace's aunt, Aunt Jenny. (laughs) And Lindsay, please send us off. I'm Lindsay. I'm Michaela. And I'm Grace. And And this is Dressing Room Talk. (laughs) Dressing Room Talk. (laughs)